This is The Exchange, humanizing commerce through post-purchase connection. Welcome to The Exchange, everyone, and Happy New Year. Although it's not New Year's for me and my guests, by the time this episode releases, it will be. And New Year's is all about setting goals, reflecting back on the year that was, and that's exactly what we're going to do today. But just hearing me talk about that would be extremely boring for you. So I have a friend here to help us talk through the year that was and setting ourselves up for a great 2021. I have Aaron Spivak, co-founder of Hush Blankets and member of Forbes 30 Under 30 Club with me. Aaron, you ready to talk about what happened in 2020 and how to prepare for 2021? Of course. Let's do it. All right. So I think the best place to start actually is maybe just give our listeners uh, a quick overview of Hush Blankets before we get into everything else. Yeah, totally. I mean, you, if you're listening, you've probably heard of Weighted Blankets. That's our core product. We, uh, we've launched in 2018 and we launched as a premium version. Of your, way, of your standard weighted blanket. Um, what we found was that many people in the space were selling these big, beautiful uh, bean bags where you know they would be these large poly pellets, uh, so plastic pellets, and you know it was uncomfortable to sleep on, and you know it sounded like a rain stick every time you moved at night, and <laughs> you know we were frustrated. I was frustrated because I was a weighted blanket consumer first uh, before anything else, and then I realized, you know what? Uh, someone's got to do it right, and no one was doing it right at the time. So, you know, uh, my partner and myself, Lior, we uh, we came together in 2018, um, and yeah, we we set out to create a premium version, and never looked back. And here we are today with, I think, the most variants uh, in the entire industry, the most sizes. We've got our iced uh, iced fabric, which is a cooling weighted blanket for those who sleep hot, and then we've got you know, pillows and sheets and all kinds of sleep products that we've been diving into recently. Helping everyone have a better sleep. And I definitely need that. I've been trying to do like the lavender spray on the pillow and I actually <laughs> invested in calm.com. I'm very invested in having a better sleep. So I was checking out your site uh, before we jumped on looking to grab something for the new year. So new year. So let's talk about, let's talk about the year that was though, before we jump into the new year. And I know one of the, one of the most interesting things that I've seen you say, and I usually save this for the end, but for everyone listening, make sure to give Aaron a follow on LinkedIn. Um, fantastic content on LinkedIn in the e-commerce space. And one of my favorite LinkedIn posts uh, that I've seen from you was talking about how people are approaching Black Friday, Cyber Monday the wrong way, looking at it as an acquisition tool. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's especially now. I mean, if we look back in, 20, in 2020, and I mean, it was, it was an insane year, uh, one that no one could have predicted. Um, but even if you look at what transpired in hindsight being 2020, the brands that did really well were the brands that were going to do really well anyway, specifically in the e-commerce space, the ones that we, we trusted. I mean, there's a reason why Amazon did so well is because, you know, people didn't know if a new website that they were being introduced to, it had no, it had no connection with the brand. If it was actually going to deliver, or maybe are these guys closed? Are they producing? But we knew on Amazon with that Prime ticker that I was getting it in the next, you know, forty-eight hours at my door. And if I didn't get it, I trusted the return process and stuff like that. So, you know, with that being said, it's it was the brand and it was the connection that brands have built over the course of the year or the years prior that really helped them 
in 2020 to either survive or to flourish, depending on what your niche is. Um, but now, you know, if we look at Black Friday, Summer Monday, you know, I myself as a consumer was getting hit for potentially the first time ever uh, with through advertising from brands I've never heard of before. And it's like, hey, you know, whatever the brand is, let's just say brand X, brand X is having 50% off today only. That sounds amazing. 50% off is very enticing, but I have no idea who you are, Brand X. Um, so I'm probably not going to buy it from you. And what's going to happen is it will drive up your cost, but it, it will actually hurt the brand in the long term. Because even if you get exactly what you want as a brand, as a brand, what, you, what do you want with that ad? You want, to, you want people to buy, right? You want, you want to have a, some sort of return on your investment. Of course. So let's say you get that, right? Let's say you're, you're just that brand worked. I was like, you know what? 50% off X brand. I don't even heard of them, but 50% off can't go wrong. I buy it. I buy the I buy whatever it is. Let's just say it was a cup. I buy the cup. Cool, fifty percent off. Then after Black Friday, Cyber Monday are over. After Christmas is over. Now we're starting twenty twenty one. How are they possibly going to get me to buy that cup again or another variant of that cup for full price? Yeah, never. They're never going to get you to buy that at full price. <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible, right? It's like unless it's just like the, a 5.0 of the cup that has 10 times the features and now I have to pay full price for it. But deep down, I'm like, nah, not like, I don't, I don't remember anything personally. Like if I go to a restaurant and the guy goes, it's 50% off the steaks today. The next time I go to that restaurant, I'm asking, hey, is there a deal in the steaks? If he goes, no, I'm not buying the steak. I'm like, oh, I'll just get it whenever it's 50% off again. Um, and that was a huge problem because what, what we're going to see uh, ending 2021, sorry, and ending 2020 is a, is a nice inflation. A lot of brands are going to have an inflation in their sales. They're going to look back and you know we're going to say, "Oh, it was a successful year. We killed it. We had you know we had a three x ROAS, five x, whatever your goals were." But now the real question is, how, how do you proceed into 2021 uh, without a sale, or do you just always sell? Do you become a discount brand? So, you know, for us, Black Friday was not about so much acquiring new customers. It was more about finally cashing in or finally reconnecting with the customers that we've nurtured and acquired over the last year or even two years or three years for some brands. Um, and those who were extremely successful in Black Friday, Cyber Monday are the ones who did that. right? Like I know brands that sent one email and made more money than any acquisition strategy you could have done on the day of Black Friday. Yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like it's the time to cash in on everything that you've been doing up to that point during the year. Like if you're getting started on Black Friday, Cyber Monday with, hey, we're going to run a 50% off ad and see what happens, you're definitely behind. And I was seeing that a lot too with a lot of the brands I was talking to. It was like, not how do we get more new customers? It was how do we activate everyone that we already have? What's our offer going to be? What kind of bundle are we going to put together? What's that special product going to be? Not just 50% off. And I forget where I was reading it, but there was something... That was saying, like, what is the minimum discount that you have to offer to be, I want to say competitive, but that's not even the right word to break through the noise of everything that people's hearing. It was like 30%. So if 30% off is like the price to even play the discounting game on Black Friday, Cyber Monday, that's a steep price. Oh yeah. I don't I don't want to say I don't believe in discounting because we we do discount. You know, I, I believe in strategic discounts. I think um, there needs to be a goal and a long-term plan for your discount. Um, we don't run, you know, we don't run a, just a blanket discount for us. It's, it's very strategic. And the reason why it's strategic is because 
you know, is, is it potentially us wanting to introduce people to a new product? Um, or are we trying to get rid of an old product? Or are we trying to, you know, bundle, whatever, bundle and save? There's so many reasons why people discount it. So I'm not totally against discounting. Obviously, the best brands in the world, you know, don't. Well, that's not entirely true. I mean, for me, Dyson is probably one of the strongest direct consumer brands that, you know, I've purchased from, I would say. Um, and they ran a discount. They ran a pretty big discount actually on Black Friday. But, you know, I don't think they were competing with all the other vacuums on the internet. I think they were just working within themselves and they wanted to get rid of a few variants. So it really depends. Um, it's up to the brand to decide what works for them. But I feel like um, when when we approach the entire strategy from a short term window, if your window is so short term, like how could we have a really strong November, or how could we have a strong Black Friday, how could we have a strong December? Even though that should be a topic of conversation for us, it was like, okay, if we do this, let's say it's thirty percent, how is our January and February going to look because of that? You know, how is next year's Black Friday going to look because of that? Because uh, I I bought the Dyson. And I can tell you right now, I will, I'm not buying Dyson until next year because I know they're going to do something big on Black Friday, right? So it's really about the long term, and you know, as we proceed with DTC and e-commerce, and as our customer acquisition costs go up, and as our CPMs go up, as big money starts to funnel right uh, into into our space, um, it's lifetime value over everything, right? And that's where the game is going to be won in that long term window. Couldn't agree more. Long-term window, LTV over everything. Definitely getting into a quote for this episode. And yeah, like the strategic discounting, it makes sense. Like on the Dyson side, if you know it's going to happen, even with Dyson, if we know it's going to happen once a year, how often are you buying a vacuum? They probably don't care that you're waiting an entire year to make another purchase where someone who's running those discounts and I know um, that discount's happening, I don't know, let's say every like six weeks, I'm never going to buy anything at full price. I'm always just going to be waiting. And I don't know, I like to call it the death spiral of discounting, right? Is you do it once, you condition the customer, the customer's always going to be waiting for that. And your steak example, same thing, come into the restaurant, ask about it. People are going to be actively pursuing it. 100%. And you have to control it. You got to control the narrative. And, you know, and if they do steak discounts every Tuesday, that's an example of controlling the narrative. You know, it's every Tuesday, maybe because they get their goods on, on Wednesday. And then if they don't sell it by Tuesday, it goes bad. So that's the way they liquidate to make their money back. Like, I'm not against you know, discounting. I'm just... Like you said, they have, that's a great example with Dyson. They don't care if I don't buy back. They'll probably sell me five filters before next, the next year. right? But between your discounts, there needs to be a strategy around it uh, in order to protect your lifetime value. Absolutely. And staying on the topic of Black Friday, Cyber Monday for a second here... When did Hush start kind of that Black Friday, Cyber Monday push? Because like my inbox was getting hit by brands, I'd say as early as October this year, with kind of like the narrative of the holidays are coming. Yeah, uh, it's only getting earlier. I think in 2018, we ran it a week before Black Friday. And we thought we were geniuses because no one else ran it a week before. Everyone... You know, we 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 had so many inquiries like, what is the what what is the deal for Black Friday? What is the deal for Black Friday? And I'm like, if I'm paying for these visits, I might as well convert them. Like, here, I'll just give you the deal right now. And I gave them the deal, and then they bought. And I was like, well, why don't we just give everyone the deal a week early? They'll buy it. And uh, we did that. We did that in 2018. We did that in 2019. But this year, there was a completely different, I would say, energy around Black Friday. 
there was a ton of concerns around fulfillment. There was a ton of concerns around um, carriers, the proper distribution. Some brands were were experiencing three and four week delays. Uh, we saw Chris, Christmas guarantees essentially vanish from all carriers. So there was a huge concern around, you know, if I actually only run it on Black Friday, not only am I missing out on the potential customers, I might not actually get it into people's hands. And you know, what's better, a hundred orders a day for ten days or a thousand orders on one day? I would argue a hundred over ten days. It just it eases the system, allows us to fulfill consistently, allows like everything less pressure. Easier. Yeah, everything is just way easier. Right? Who wants to handle all that in one day? It's unnecessary. And I think a lot of brands felt that. A lot of brands were like, the the buying mentality is already here. Why, you know, leave people in their seats? So we launched it. Uh, two weeks before Black Friday, and then everyone ran Cyber Week the week after. So it was essentially three weeks of Black Friday. Um, but man, I saw brands run it in October. Last week of October, I saw Black Friday ads, and I'm like, wow, that's insane. I was seeing the exact same thing. And honestly, what I think did, like, yeah, I think it was a lot of the pressure from the carriers. There's just so much unknown this year, and I think that did push people to start earlier. I think also Amazon Prime Day being mid-October, I think a lot of people were looking at that and being like, oh, I'm going to piggyback off that. I'm going to let them do prime days. Like the, I forget what the actual day is, but I think it was like 14th or 15th of October. And then you started to see what you were talking about, like that last week of October, people getting started with this. I think they were trying to piggyback off that. Yeah, I, I think the same thing. Um, there's, no real, there's no real methodology to it. I think if you are a brand that was really hurting throughout the year, or if you had aggressive sales goals, or you had too much inventory. Like there were so many reasons why people ran uh, what they ran this year. But you know, for me, you know, this year's in the past, kinda. I think it was a a big lesson. Uh, it was kind of scary, to be honest. How like every single product you can ever imagine was having a sale for over an entire month. I'm more concerned about 2021. Like, are we just going to run Black Friday like September first? Um, I'm not. I'm <laughs> that, not that's what I'm thinking. Man, how early is it going to be next year? <laughs> yeah, like I. That's what I, I mean. Actually, I asked that on LinkedIn. I was like, I, is I, or is is Black Friday dead? Is is it really not what it was? Is have we seen the end of those you know memes of a thousand people running through the doors and fist fighting over TVs and you know is is that over? Um, I think it is. I, I don't. I think Black Friday will still be strong. I think people, you know, depending on your product, you know, for us specifically, we're going to sell more in Q4 than we are in Q1. Um, but at the same time, I I just don't think the hype is there as it once was, and I think it will start to dwindle away. And I think it's all of our fault. I think it's our fault as the D 2 C community. Like absolutely. I, I think it's our fault, and I think it's we're only going to make it worse. Like I, I think like, I agree. I think we're all going to start it on Prime Day, um, and I, I saw brands piggyback for Prime Day, and they didn't stop. So yeah, it's kind of like a tragedy of the commons type of scenario, right? Where everyone would be better off if we didn't discount for a full month coming into Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or who knows in twenty twenty one for a full three months if that's like what the new norm is. But everyone would be better off, and I, I've written a couple times on Black Friday discounting making no sense in e-commerce. Like back in the day, it was a play to be like, everyone's running through the mall. How do I put my discount out there and like collect all that foot traffic that's going to come in? But foot traffic doesn't exist on the internet. You got to pay for 
acquisition or you had to have nurtured that earlier in the year. So essentially, you're launching a campaign into an existing customer base or you're going to pay out the wazoo for paid acquisition social ads over the course of the week before and the week after Black Friday. Yeah, I, I, I don't... I don't want to say I don't like where it's going, but I, I don't like where it's going. Um, but I will say that I've seen some brands do cool things. I love how Gymshark does their own like Black Friday. They have their own date. Um, I think some brands that have a large client base should and will do that. We'll probably entertain that in 2021. You know, there'll be Prime Day. Prime Day, we can do like a hush day where there will be some, you know, some sort of incentive around it because it really is all about your own customers. Um, and that's really the play. That's the play is always going to be about who your fans are, who your VIPs are, uh, and how you nourish, you know, nurture them. The last thing we want to do is get into a fight for attention on the busiest day of the year. The last thing we want to do is try to fit our little kiosk in the mall with a jillion other kiosks with a thousand people running by. Odds are we're probably, you know, it's not going to work out. So I, th- I don't know what to expect, but I know it's going to be a lot different than it was this year, next year. Yeah. So maybe, maybe you are right. Maybe this is the end of Black Friday as everyone, it's just too crowded for anyone to compete there anymore. People are going to have to break away. So. We're going to, everyone listening is going to be uh, waiting for Hush Day 2021. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we've played with the idea and, and, and you know, Gymshark's done it incredibly well. Prime Day, I mean, there's a reason why they do it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. But I'm still, I'm just, you know, we, we didn't even want to continue the sale afterwards, but we had no choice. Everyone was doing it. We're like, we can't be the only brand on the internet that doesn't have an offer. Um, but hopefully it'll be different next year. Yep. And like you said, everyone listening, we're doing it to ourselves in the D2C e-com community. So we all need to band together and do better next year. But let's move, let's move on from Black Friday. Um, let's talk about after Black Friday into the holidays. Like you were saying, there was a lot of people calling for Shipageddon. Um, a lot of people saying the carriers were going to be overworked and nothing was going to move. How did things fare at Hush after Black Friday and through the holidays? Uh, we didn't see too many delays. That's the truth. Um, we juiced up. I mean, something that's unique about us is that we do our own fulfillment. Um, we don't use third-party logistics companies. We have. We've tried them. Um, they work for some brands. They didn't work for us. Our product's big. It takes up a lot of space. Uh, we have a lot of SKUs. There's, there's just too much room for error. It's an expensive product. Um, so when we started our own fulfillment uh, early 2020... Uh, we knew that our biggest advantage was going to be able to fulfill and fulfill fast and to give ourselves. I mean, on Black Friday, we ran uh, 20 hours of picking and packing. You know, we can't, you can't convince a 3PL to have seven guys that are picking and packing just your brand 20 hours in a day. We had a night team, we had a day team. It's not going to happen, right? So they're going to come to you and say, hey, so and so, you know, we, we picked a thousand orders. You know, we did our best. Thanks. And you'll sit there, and we had that experience in 2019. They're like, "Hey, we only picked X amount. The other ones, we couldn't get the rest out." Or, "Hey, the truck came." You have to keep in mind, right? Like when three three PL, even for us, I mean, when a Purolator truck or UPS truck shows up, if it's empty, we can only fit like 20, 25 pallets on there. Um, even if they send three trucks a day, there's a limit, uh, and three PLs, you know, they have to decide: Oh, do I put this brand or that brand, or you know, do I mix it up? So. 
there's um, there's a whole bunch of limitations. But for us, we were ready for it, and and yeah, essentially we were able to fulfill, and we were able to manage it all. It's interesting because I was one of those people calling for Shipageddon as well. I I thought that the carriers were going to be stretched to their absolute max. Um, the the no guarantees on holiday cutoffs. But then I saw that the carriers were still saying like, oh, it's December 15th for standard ground. And I'm like, okay, I guess uh, I guess things are normal. We don't need to worry about it. So um, you're not the first person to say that there was no problems either. They've been juicing up all year. Um, they, they received so... They, the influx from Corona and COVID uh, funneled so much money their way. They built, you know, massive fulfillment centers. They, they were paying incredibly well to drivers. So many people who lost their job became drivers. Um, they just, they really killed it. Honestly, hats off to all the, all, all the shippers. It was quite impressive. Absolutely. Everyone who was delivering packages up to like the day before Christmas too. Thank you to everyone who was doing that. Yeah, they, killed um, it. they really did. Even on, even on the 3PL side, talking to some brands using 3PLs, it, it, it seemed to go off fairly well with, without, much of a hitch, but um, I guess we'll see. Um, one thing, obviously, being at Loop and in the return space, one thing we say is it's not just the outbound shipments, it's the inbound shipments as well. So we're now into return season, so we'll see what the reverse logistics yeah, are like uh, coming back. <laughs> it is definitely return season. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's, that's another thing to keep in mind as, as, you know, with those discounts, that factoring in those returns, right? And a lot of a lot of brands potentially have put them out of profit with, uh, you know, not considering the amount of returns that are coming in uh, this time of year. Yep, it's not what people buy; it's what they choose to keep. And when you're uh, when you're giving steep discounts and you're really just trying to get make that first purchase happen, you do need to consider on the other side of it as well. And and I'm sure with you guys with the items that you sell, like you said, they're big, they're bulky, they're expensive to ship, so. Um, even more so for an item like that versus someone who, let's say, is selling phone cases. 100%. Have you been seeing any sort of spike in returns lately? Because I know at Loop, we see that returns generally start to spike about two weeks after Black Friday, and then it continues usually into mid-January. Yeah, we've definitely seen a a huge uh, spike. And we don't expect it to go down until, yeah, I would say mid-January. We've seen... A lot of exchanges, which is cool because that just means a lot of people, you know, bought the wrong stuff for the wrong for the wrong person. But um, yeah, no, we the, the returns are are significantly up, but it wasn't something that we didn't expect. So it's not I wouldn't say it's alarming, but I mean it's common. A lot of people bought gifts for people, and you know, there's they want something else or whatever it is. So you know, we have a really good return policy too. So for us, it's an expensive product. You know, one thing that allows people to have peace of mind when they buy it is, you know, worst case, you can just return it at the end. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely an increase, but we're hoping it goes down sooner. But we do expect it to go into at least the second week of January. Yeah, earlier we were saying LTV over everything and the return side of things, we say exchanges over everything. So the fact that you're seeing a lot of exchanges, it means that people aren't disliking the product. It means that they just need to get into the right one and facilitating that easily. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we shot ourselves in the foot, right? You know, like I said earlier in, in this chat, you know, we have the most variant, like we have the most variance in the entire weighted blanket space. We got a weighted blanket for everybody. So, you know, some people have a 20 pounder, they're going to upgrade to the 30 pounder. Um, and, but offering all those things, uh, I was reading an article about Casper the other day, you know, when they launched eight new beds, it was 
you know, destroyed their return because everyone was trying them. Oh, I'll order this one. Oh, no, I'll try that one. No, I'll try that one. It ended up being five returns before they find the one that they like. So uh, same thing with us, right? A lot of people funnel through different weights, different sizes to find the one that works for them. I'm just trying to imagine. I go to my wife and I'm like, hey, we're buying a new mattress. I bought five of them. Just to, yeah. just to see which one which one's the best, and they all show up in my driveway. She would kill me. Yeah, people um, do it all the time. Uh, the amount of space you would need. All right, we've talked about Black Friday, Cyber Monday, holidays. Let's talk 2021. What are you seeing as the biggest challenges or the biggest opportunities in e-commerce as we move into 2021? Ooh, we we have I have this conversation all the time. I think it's different for every brand. Um, I think something that's been true for long and will be more true than ever, and it pains me because guys like Gary Vee have been saying this since 2015 and it's 2021 and we're still not doing it. <laughs> but uh, content, it's really about content. And content is hard. And it's, it takes an incredible amount of creativity. And it's not as simple as, you know, plugging in an app, taking a course, hiring someone who's good at it. It's hard and it changes fast. But I think the largest opportunity lies in that content. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've seen it with even our paid ads. You know, you can run an ad that has a one photo, run another ad with a different photo. We can split test it. And one of them will do, you know, two and a half times better at 100% significance, better than the other photo. And the only difference between them is the photo. So it'll be forever true and more true than ever in 2021 as CPMs start to rise. You know, I don't even know if you're allowed to swear on this thing, but. You know, shitty, shitty, marketing, <laughs> shitty marketing doesn't count anymore. Uh, it will, and shitty marketing won't last in 2021. Uh, drop shippers who don't spend time on their creative will die faster in 2021. Brands that don't spend time on their creative will run out of money much faster in 2021. You know, I look back on 2019, the ads that we were running, I was making on like Canva and like shooting on my iPhone 5 or whatever it was and they were converting that same ad today will not it won't even it probably won't even make one conversion uh, people are expecting more from brands um, the creativity needs to go way 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 up and that's the that's the sauce I mean um, paid media I think podcasting is gonna be a, a big big flex for a lot of people um, TikTok is one of the most intriguing platforms probably of our generation. Um, CPMs are, you know, Facebook 2012 right now. Um, YouTube, again, YouTube is a perfect example of just, you know, why are there people who are getting 15x ROAS on, on YouTube and why are there people getting zero? Um, the answer is creative. It always comes back to creative. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's where I see 2021 going. I see... I see those creative people who've been creative their whole life really cashing in this year. Um, and guys like me are hunting for them. So if you are creative, <laughs> reach out to me. <laughs> that is the sauce. And um, 
I, I think the brands who create the best content will win. They're winning right now. I mean, we both know we can name a brand. I can name a brand. You can name a brand right now that's killing it with content. Like for me, it's that Manscaped brand. It's like the best content I've ever seen, right? Yeah, they absolutely smash it. Right? Like their 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 organic TikTok has like a million followers, and it's just one guy in his room. It's like incredible. So the content is really it, and that's where it is. And it's hard because it's it's such a blank space, blank canvas, and you just got to whip up something that people like. It's really really hard, but. That's it. That's 2021 right there. Yeah. All right. I'm going to do my best to summarize that. 2021 is... All right. Let's just say acquisition costs are rising and they've been continuing to rise for a couple of years now. If you're relying on just, I don't know, putting in, throwing an ad together, putting it up on Facebook, putting out, who cares? who cares about the platform? Just throwing an ad up and like hoping for the best. It's not going to work. 2021 is going to be the year of creative people. And I think on the content side, when you were saying there, like the community side of it as well. Like when we're talking about Manscaped and like some of the ones I love, like Beard Brand, they're building a community around that content. It's not just, hey, Aaron, I have something for you to buy. Come check it out. It's, hey, Aaron, I'm going to be entertaining. I'm going to be educational. Let me show you what I have. Uh, I keep giving Gary kudos, but his book in like 2013, like jab, 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 right hook. It's really what it is. But content is really never a right hook. The hook is we're friends. And you know, if your friend calls you up, says, Hey Alex, I bought this cool hat, works, you know, fits my head really, really nice. I think it would look good on you. Why don't you try it? You'd be like, eh, okay, whatever. I'll try it. Like, oh, worst case, return it. You'll try it because he's your friend. You'll trust him, right? And brands need to get to that point where we're friends. You know, where I can I can wish one of my customers happy birthday. And he's just like, he's not like, oh, this weird brand is sending me a happy birthday text. How do they even know my birthday? That's so creepy. It's more of like, oh, thanks, guys. Appreciate that. And it's changing that narrative. It's conversational marketing at its finest. But doing that through content is the sauce. Any other examples of brands that you think are crushing it with content that you think our listeners should check out? Oh, that's that's a good question. Hmm. Well, there's the big ones, right? I mean... There's there's Nike, which is their content's absolutely incredible. Um, there's Manscape, who fits my bill. Um, they're they're probably one of the best. Um, there's the the luggage companies, like Away, that do really really incredible content. Uh, Pure Vita, um, incredible <laughs> incredible content. Their Instagram's fire. Yeah, like they're one of the only ones who are still scaling their Instagram to the roof. Gymshark, like these these are brands that have built their entire business around content generation. Um, Gymshark through influencers, same with Pure Vita, um, and that's really that's really it. It's it's you know I, I know you said prior it's going to be tough to to build a business on you know just. You know, Acquiring a customer is just going to be very difficult on Facebook and Instagram. Like I, I still think, people, like people will always be able to whip up an ad and make a sale. I think where where I'm talking is at scaling, right? Like, let's say you know, just for fun, you're able to sell you know a hundred thousand dollars in the whole year with your Facebook and you know whatever. Um, the question is not can you do a hundred again? It's probably going to be harder next year. But let's say you were able to do it. The question is, how do you get to two hundred? Um, and that's where the content lies, right? You can 
you can open the door with pretty much any ad, but it's really moving into the next, climbing the steps, going up the stairs. That's where it's hard. And yeah, I mean, I think you know brands that have great conversational marketing is is amazing. Um, yeah, I think it's hard to do, but that's where it lies. Yep, content community. It it's going to help you scale. It also helps with your repeat customer rate. Like when you're talking about an ad, like yeah, there's retargeting, but it's very if you can get someone in the door and use the content in the community as a way to engage them over and over and over again. It's like, how many times is someone going to buy from you? Depends on what you're selling, but they can consume content that you're putting out there every single day. It's a great way to keep them engaged. It's a great way to get that first time purchaser to come back and become, let's move them from being a purchaser to being a customer and theoretically a loyal customer if we can provide them with the right content. And like you said, build up that relationship. Yeah. And it's that type of stuff is always easier said than done. Right. And that's where, you know, there's no hack. There's no hack to do it. There's some people who are, you know, creatively, you know, really good at Twitter, really good at Instagram, really good at LinkedIn, uh, really good at Facebook. Well, Facebook's interesting. They've essentially destroyed their newsfeed. It's now, you know, your newsfeed will be full of ads and, and groups, whatever groups you're involved. We'll take over your newsfeed on Facebook. So they've pretty much destroyed all organic posts and stuff like that. Uh, but there's, there's again, then that's potentially a play for building a community through a Facebook group. There's just so much opportunity. Um, but it's really, you know, where do you want to start? The answer is where you're most comfortable and where you're good at. You know, I like LinkedIn and Instagram. Not, I don't, I'm not very good at Twitter. I don't, I know, I don't. Neither am I. I yeah, I don't, I don't get it too much. I know there's a huge opportunity on there, and we're on there as a brand, but it's not my personal forte. So if I were to start a new brand today, I'd probably start with what I'm good at. Uh, you don't want to have paralysis and be on absolutely everything. Uh, it's just n- impossible to be good at everything. But start somewhere and start building somewhere. Um, you know, I love SMS marketing. I, we we do a ton of conversational marketing with our customers through there. I love email. Um, all those things are important, but how you email and how you communicate is what's going to build that relationship with you and your brand or you and your customers. So as we go into 2021 and content's important, building that community is important. If you are going to pick where you're going to... So we don't want to be spread across everything. For you personally and for your brand, where do you think you would focus on building the content, building that community? It's a good question. Um, for us... We don't feel like we've done a great job at building community through our email list. We've kind of used our email list like every other brand has used their email list as a as a sales channel. Um, we do some content, but the majority as as a sales channel. Um, we really want to change that narrative. I want people to use our email as a tool for for knowledge. Um, we're look we're definitely looking into building. Facebook group. Uh, we're very, very active on Instagram. So we do a ton of conversational marketing through our Instagram, through our SMS. It's very, you know, we have a, a full-time team of three that are just texting people all day long, uh, people who respond to our automations that, that work with us. Um, so we have you know, probably 800 to 1,000 texts back and forth every single day with, with customers or potential customers or existing customers. Um, you know, that's kind of where our current community lies, which is exciting because it's not that big. 
Uh, moving forward, though, there's going to be a ton of opportunity building outside of those platforms. Uh, one being, I like Twitter, I love LinkedIn, and I think Facebook groups are really going to be where Facebook moves. Um, there's also an opportunity on Messenger to build community. There's just a lot of, uh, there's so much, but I think, you know, we're probably not going to spread thin. We've learned our lesson. I think in 2021, we'll probably choose one or two and ride it. Yeah. So for everyone listening, choose one or two channels. If you're going to, if you're going to double down on content in 2021, just choose a few channels and, and really focus there instead of spreading too thin. And you're right. There's so many different places where I get that question a lot of where should I be focused on building that content, building that community. And it really does depend on the brand and what you're comfortable with. Like wherever, for me, you said LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn too. That's how we got connected. Like I think LinkedIn's a fantastic place. Is it the best spot if I started up a brand tomorrow to go and do it on LinkedIn? Really depends what I'm selling. So just pick somewhere, see, try it out, test it, see if you're getting the engagement there. And if you're not, maybe pivot and try something else. 100%. Yeah. All right. Last question here before I let you go. As we go into 2021, I saw a very interesting post from you about setting a, was it a mood board, a vision board, something like that for, for uh, coming up with what to do in uh, 2021? Maybe give our listeners uh, a bit of a taste of what that is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I take goals, goal setting or year setting, whatever you want to call it, um, very seriously. Uh, Lioran and myself started doing it, I think, three years ago. It takes a while. We spend five, six, sometimes two days, but five, six hours each day really building out uh, our entire year personally and professionally. Uh, and one of the one of the steps in the process is to produce a mood board. And it's essentially just going on Google and typing things that come to your head and filling up uh, a Google slide. And it's always fun at the end of the year to look back at that mood board and see things. And for mine, it was the most, it was the funniest because not only did a lot of those things happen, but I had, we had the, at a pillow, I literally Googled like cool looking pillow or something and just pulled that pillow and pulled it up, put it on my mood board. And our pillow that we launched, funny enough, looked very similar to that design. It was white and it had that black strike through and uh, it would ended up being cooling and it was, it was made of foam and that one looks like it was made of foam. And it's quite crazy how it works, but um, and then also I remember having a, I had a small little space left, and I was like, you know, I googled like cool things that entrepreneurs like want, and it was like Forbes, and I was like, okay, I'll throw the Forbes logo on here. <laughs> and you know, funny enough, a lot of those things really manifest and they they come true. Last question about the mood board. So when you're done, where do you where do you keep it? Where do you put it? Yeah, that's a good question. Everything for me is on like Google Slides. Some people like build these like collage, like arts and crafts stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm more simple. I just go to Google, I screenshot it and I pull it onto a Google slide. Uh, that way it never gets lost. And I usually, I usually come back to my, to my goals a few, a few, few times throughout the year. I like to check in almost every quarter just to take a look. So I think big takeaways from today, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, it started earlier than ever. Who knows what's going to happen next year? We could see it start even earlier next year, which would be crazy. We could see it kind of disappear, uh, which I think is what Aaron and I are hoping for. Holidays wasn't as bad as we thought. Um, in 2021, um, Aaron and myself both think that content is going to be huge going into 2021 and creativity, finding those creative people. Um, and to make sure that you have a 
like a killer 2021, try a mood board, try what Aaron's doing, try setting those goals in that way. Um, so Aaron, before I let you go here, um, where's the best place for people to keep tabs on you? I know your LinkedIn's really, really good. I'll make sure that gets in the, in the notes, but anywhere else? Uh, I post mostly on, yeah, on LinkedIn, also on Instagram, but not, not as active uh, as I'd like to be. Uh, but yeah, I would say mostly, mostly LinkedIn. I don't have a newsletter or any of that stuff. Awesome. I highly recommend uh, following Aaron on LinkedIn and killer conversation today, man. Thanks for being here. And hopefully all of your goals for 2021 come true. Same to you. Thank you. That's been The Exchange presented by Loop, the returns platform for Shopify. Thanks for listening.